Welcome to Savage Minds. I'm your host, Julian Vigo. Today's guest is Bev Jackson, a lifelong progressive activist and a founding member of the UK Gay Liberation Front in 1970. She worked in the anti-apartheid movement and other progressive causes, and she is a strong advocate for refugee rights. In 2016, she published a book, A Month with Starfish, on her experience working with refugees on the Greek island of Lesbos. In 2019, she became increasingly alarmed by the collapse of what had once been the gay rights movement. She tried to engage with Stonewall, but there was no willingness to engage. She met Kate Harris, who had similar concerns, and together they founded LGB Alliance. Professionally, Bev lectured in English literature at the University of Amsterdam and later became an academic translator. She lives with her wife and dog in Amsterdam with the rest of the family within cycling distance. I welcome Bev Jackson to Savage Minds. I wanted to kick off with your recent victory. If you could cover for, especially our non-British listeners who are less familiar with Stonewall, as to what you and Kate were up against having founded LGB Alliance, being challenged, ironically, by the very NGO who probably should have been under investigation. Okay, so um, thank you for having us, having me on. And um, I, just in, in case there are people who are completely unaware of who we are, I'm actually going to go right back to the beginning and explain why we had to form. Um, basically, um, I think everybody is familiar with gay rights, uh, um, as lesbians, gays, and, and bisexuals, people who were attracted to others of the same sex. And the gay rights movement, um, I was involved right at the beginning. I was a founding member of the um, UK Gay Liberation Front back in 1970. That's how old I am. I was 19 years old. And um, it was important to us, I, I, I remember, at the, in those first few meetings to emphasize that gay liberation goes hand in hand with women's liberation because we're trying to dismantle age-old um, stereotypes and to fight sexism, and we need to do that together. Well, um, so the gay rights movement has achieved quite a lot over the, the years. I mean, originally it was the basic thing was come out into the streets, say, I'm I'm gay, I'm homosexual, I'm a lesbian. It's okay to be, and, and to set that example and to show the people, um, uh, other people, that it was okay to just come out and, and say that you're only attracted to people of the same sex. It was revolutionary. And I remember our very first demonstration, people looking in disgust. Oh, those are those disgusting people. They hadn't ever knowing. Of course, they had met lots of gays and lesbians in the past, but they hadn't known it. So we changed that. And over the decades, as you know, um, some societies, we should, we should not forget this is not all societies, but in many societies, uh, it became gradually more acceptable to be gay and lesbian, and you had gay and lesbian stars on the TV, um, and um, uh, gay sex was decriminalized, and um, and gradually also same-sex marriage was um, uh, became um, legal. And um, so that was in, in the country where I live. I live in the Netherlands. It was the first country in the world in, in the year 2000. And then much later, in 2014, in the UK and in um, the United States in 2015. And then you can see that something happens. There's a shift. The shift had already happened much earlier, but it became accelerated. Sort of, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? We've achieved same-sex marriage. We've, we, you know, with a, we, we've got anti-discrimination laws, certainly in the UK anyway. Um, what are we going to do now? And what happened in the UK, and I'm going to focus on the UK, I live in the Netherlands, but 
I work with the LGBT Alliance in the UK. What happened is that um, Ruth Hunt was, was taken on as CEO of Stonewall. Now, Stonewall is a huge organization. At one point, it had something like 150 staff, uh, an income of about 8 million a year. And it was a highly respected organization. It was the organization that helped um, employers in the public and private sectors um, know how to behave decently to their gay and lesbian uh, staff and how to integrate them so that everybody felt comfortable at their work. And it played a huge role throughout society in, in promoting better human rights for gays and lesbians. And eventually, they were against same-sex marriage at the beginning, but eventually Stonewall also took a leading role in promoting same-sex marriage. Now, what happened in 2015? Ruth Hunt was um, appointed CEO of Stonewall. And um, Kate Harris, who's my, my very dear friend and co-founder of, of LGB Alliance, um, was very involved in Stonewall. And she was very invested in who was going to be the new CEO. And she asked Ruth, she, she heard rumours that there were plans to perhaps add a T to the LGB. And she knew, she knew, and so did most lesbians who were active in, in Stonewall, that adding the T would be enormous an enormous disadvantage for lesbians in particular. But Ruth said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And as soon... I won't do that. But as soon as she became CEO, she um, reneged on that promise. Um, Stonewall received, um, I believe it was $100,000 from the Arcus Foundation um, to add the tea, and they did add the tea. And what this means, it's not just adding something. You could say, well, why can't we be generous? Let's, you know, we're, uh, we, we've got same-sex marriage now. Let's let's fight for, for people, um, for, for trans people who have fewer rights. But that, and that, I think people who don't know much about it think that's what it was like. But it isn't like that. Because when you add the T to LGB, then you, and they changed the definition of what it means to be gay and lesbian. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, to be gay, a gay man is a man who's attracted to other men. And a, a, a lesbian is a woman who, who's attracted to other women. So it's same sex sexual orientation, same-sex relationships, that's what it's about. They changed the definition. Instead of same-sex, it became same-gender. Now, I don't know if you know what gender is. I don't know what gender is. It's supposedly a feeling you've got inside you about being male or female or neither of these things, which, quite frankly, is a very, very regressive, um, uh, old-fashioned idea that you're, you're that you can have a male body and a female soul or, or, or you know i mean it's just a really regressive idea but very cleverly they painted this as the new civil rights from the frontier it's very progressive it's very progressive to say that some um, women have male bodies now we've seen what this leads to for women's rights in terms of prisons uh, men getting um, sent to women's prisons and, and causing mayhem there We've seen what has happened in sport with um, people, males who identify as 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 women uh, in sport, causing havoc in in women's sport. But it's very important also for gay rights. 
Because what is it if you say that it's not same sex but same gender? You take that to its logical extreme. Two men who both say they're women, who both identify as women, can be a lesbian couple. Now, we say that's nonsense. And we, we tried independently to talk to Stonewall. What, what are you doing with this redefinition? What are you doing? Um, to what about all the lesbians who are now have nowhere to go because you have really ruined what homosexuality means by this funny new definition. Um, they wouldn't talk to us. And we didn't know each other. Kate um, had been active in, in Stonewall as a volunteer fundraiser. I, as I said, I was a, uh, a founding member of the Gay Liberation Front. We met in 2019 and we both discovered that we both had the same concerns that the gay rights movement had completely lost its purpose. It had gone off the rails and they would not talk to us. Everything was no debate, no debate. We were not allowed to discuss this. We were just supposed to get with the programme and not fuss about it and not be horrible bigots. And this was a very successful dialogue. They said anybody who goes off and doesn't agree with this new um, idea that, that whether someone's a man or a woman is just what they say they are instead of biological reality. Biological reality is a horrible phrase. Only bigots say biological reality. It's, it's, a, it's a dog whistle. It's a dog whistle. That's what it was. Um, so anyway, we set up, we had a private meeting in um, in 2019, uh, in October 2019, of 70 people. We, we chose each person carefully from their, what, what we believed that they were on our side and that they, they understood what our purpose was, was to revive the gay rights movement, um, to, to, to make sure that young people growing up have a positive view of it being fine to be gay or lesbian, and not that they need to change their bodies or they might be the opposite sex, which is what's happening now. Anyway, so we had this meeting, and from the very, very first, I mean, within 12 hours, well, I, I think even less than that, of, of it becoming known that we had had this meeting, LGB Alliance. Um, people um, started circulating on Twitter that um, LGB Alliance is a hate group, pass it on. Christine Burns, I think, was one of the first, a, a, a very, very um, resolute trans rights um, activist. I've written much about him because he's one of the people who since before the this millennia was already networking within the private and public sector to create media networks out there to basically turn everyone onto their ideology. He's very well known because he wasn't just networking, but he was raising funds. And then he was doing the work of a lobbyist, including within like the NUJ and telling people, well, you have to get your reporters to refer to us as she. You can see the website still. I refer to it in the piece that I wrote about him. Is this, um, are we talking about Press for Change? Yes. And, uh, yes. Um, yes. Yeah, Press for Change was an important organisation that, that did push for trans rights. And, uh, you know, I mean, if they wanted to press for their own, um, what they saw as their rights, uh, uh, we might want to say demands or rights, whatever. You know, um, it's a free society. People can do that. But what is really shocking is that 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 they took over the gay rights movement. It wasn't a question of adding the T to LGB. It was a complete takeover so that the LGB now are the sort of the minority little, the poor cousins 
And you have to accept in any of these organizations that call themselves LGBTQIA plus and all this stuff, they uh, they are really TQ plus organizations. They're not LGB anymore. They do not, not only do they not fight for LGB rights, but they actively oppose them. I mean, this is really shocking. So that, you know, you, you probably heard, I don't know, six months ago, wasn't it in Tasmania, that it, it was ruled that lesbians were not allowed to have their own event. They're just not allowed to have their own event. You have to have people with penises um, because if they say they're women, then they're women, and you've got you've got to just suck it up, basically. Um, and no pun intended. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> I, I sorry. <laughs> This is another problem is that no, but the homophobia you mentioned from Stonewall is is outrageous because you remember when they were doing their oyster card carriers back in the early knots, I'm gay, yeah. just deal with it or something like that. And that somehow had it, res you know, it resonated. It was good. It was. Yeah. 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 But that, that turned into. I'm a woman, deal with it. Or trans women are women, deal with it. That was it. Well, um, I think, you know, some people are trans, deal with it. But the point is, what does that mean? We have no idea what it means. It, what does it mean? I mean, for a while, they were saying it means you're born in the wrong body. And it became obvious that that is a load of nonsense because nobody can be born in the wrong body any more than you can be born in the wrong century or the wrong, uh, uh, the wrong country. Um, you can't be born in the wrong body. You are your body. And that is a reality. So a lot of this, and I think we should talk about this at some point, is simply an assault on reality, a refusal to accept reality. And this has to do with, with kind of postmodern belief that you can construct your own reality with your own language. And I have to say they're being very successful. Look at all the words that they have managed to change. Hate, for instance. What does hate mean? Well, I thought we, we used to know what hate means. No, hate these days <clears throat> means um, stating the truth. Uh, um, if if some if somebody doesn't like it, that's called that's called hate. Inclusive. What does that mean? It used to mean you know that you're nice and warm and welcoming for people of all kinds of different cultures and beliefs. No, now it means uh, excluding people who don't don't have your views. That that's called inclusive. And there's a whole range we could we could list twenty words that they've managed to re recast in these ways. Well, it was also silly too because back when I was starting to get involved in this, it was on Twitter the discussions went from well, you're just obsessed with people's genitals, and yeah. today that came back to hit me because there, there's the global correspondent for Vice News, Vice News, along with Pink News, along there's a load of fake news organizations out there. Vice is a major Canadian enterprise that pornified everything about sex before it became trans obsessed. And what's very interesting about Vice is that they're heading for bankruptcy, just like all the other magazines that have been closing down these last months that have been pimping out this ideology. So you've got Ben Hunt. So it's a very great go-to story because of course they picked a black man to be their LGBT slash race correspondent, because as you know, you've seen it on Twitter when you say Laverne Cox isn't a woman, he's a man, racist. And that's how they flip the, it's called uh, flipping the tortilla here in, in Italy, but they, mm -hmm. they change the channel of the discussion. So it's constant derails. What's interesting is I said, oh, please, Ben, get a real job and stop pimping for homophobic, misogynist lobbies. And someone wrote me back and said, oh, Julian, please stop obsessing over trans people's genitals, which is yeah. an old one, because that's what they did in 2014-15. They were trying to make us out of some kind of, we're the perverts. 
And it's it's a really great derail because it takes away from, as you just noted, the fact that this lobby has been, aside from being astroturfed heavily from all these alleged gay rights organizations, which you know, have been not invested in gay anything since the late 90s and early knots for a lot of countries. And, right. and then they've conterminously pushed this agenda while veering in on children and teens and not just that uh people in their 20s and there's a reason for that and it's not just that the brain isn't developed but it's a great demographic of rebellion that they can cash in on and that's why ruth hunt and now the new soon to be ex-director of stonewall (laughs) as well which we'll talk about later i mean these people are just hooking their their caboose on these very now failing wagons i remember when you formed and you guys got pushed back, like you said, in a matter of minutes, you were called bigots, you were called racist, you were called right-wing Christian fundamentalists. I remember all the rhetoric because all it took for you to be called any of that was to be covered by the Daily Mail or the Telegraph when we all know that yeah, the yeah. Guardian doesn't cover that. And and the paradox is they weren't criticizing why their own beloved pseudo left because the Guardian and the Independent stopped being left a long time ago. Uh, why they weren't covering this. They were just invested in mudslinging. Yeah, I, it's it's looking at the sources, never addressing the content, but always looking at the sources. I mean, I've had quite a lot of difficulty myself for, for, for decades. If you ask me what my politics were, I would say, well, I'm a Guardian reader. And I would have said that until maybe seven years ago when I started to notice that The Guardian was getting a bit strange. I mean, uh, and it really, when when I was bringing up my children, if they'd asked me what left and right wing meant, I'd say, well, if you're left wing, you believe in taking care of of everyone in society, so that means high taxes. It's about taxes. If you have high taxes uh, on, on income, you can pay for good public services and ensure that people get good education and good health care, um, uh, uh, especially if they're in, in vulnerable situations. That's what it's about. I always That's how I always explained left and right wing to my kids. And um, now... Um, these terms have become incredibly jumbled and it's very hard to understand how the left has been taken over by such a peculiar regressive belief that has somehow managed to persuade people it's progressive. But the the, the only reason it's managed to persuade people of that is that people are not paying attention. Most people are focusing on the economy, their jobs, their houses, they're focused on the environment, they're focused on on uh, uh, maybe refugee issues. There's lots and lots of other issues they're focusing on. They have uh, like one percent of their attention span is for these sex and gender issues, and then that that percentage is just oh well, I trust this person and they say this and that. Okay, well then I'm on board with that. They do not know. They do not know what's going on. They do not know that five year olds are being told, given little books with with a with a blue crayon in a red wrapper. And, and it explains that you might be born in the wrong body. Um, they do not know that, that teenage girls, are, um, and teenage girls have always had problems. Teenage girls uh, um, have uh, had problems with anorexia, have had problems with self-harming um, and so on. It's difficult becoming a girl. When, when breasts develop, you get unwanted attention from boys and a lot of girls, uh, especially geeky girls perhaps, uh, um, can't deal with it, don't want to deal with it, Get um, want to get out of that whole kind of um, atmosphere, which has become, as you were pointing out, kind of even more pornified than it used to be. And now these girls 
are told that, um, especially if they're attracted to other girls, oh, well, you're a boy. And this is presented as a panacea, as a solution. And then they are um, cajoled online by influencers and also by their peers um, to try and get puberty blockers. And they think puberty blockers, it's a wonderful magic pill. It's going to solve all their problems of anxiety and depression and uh, possible loss and all abuse, um, all sorts of things that may have happened in their life. This is the one thing. They take these things and it will solve their problems. And what's really evil, I mean, really evil, is the, the kind of slogan that is being um, uh, banded about in the United States at the moment, protect trans kids, as if, you know, these evil people who are suggesting that it's not such a good idea, actually, to stop children's puberty. It's not such a good idea for 15, 16-year-old girls to have their breasts amputated because they think they're boys. It's not such a good idea for them to have cross-sex hormones, which give them beard growth, lower their voices forever, and make them up infertile and quite often incontinent and a, a, a whole load of other health problems. No, if you say protect trans kids, that means you must allow them to have all these medical interventions. Otherwise, you are a cruel, evil bigot. And that ridiculous story is what Democrats are now uh, uh, telling their, their people and what is coming. It's the message coming from the White House. It's the message coming from the White House. Meanwhile, you have the Republicans. This is a paradox. They are the uh -huh. ones fighting the bonuses of the multimillion and billionaires. They're the ones, not the Democrats. They're saying that the people getting huge bonuses after the COVID crisis should have to give the money back. The Republicans. Can you believe that? Well, I mean, it's also the Republicans, though, who are, who, who are trying to limit abortion rights. I mean, women's, sure. women's rights are, are being attacked in the United States from both sides of the aisle. And it is it's just an appalling situation. But anyway, so let me just go back to the trial. So what happened is that we applied for charitable status. Now, charitable status is is it's very useful. It's useful from a financial perspective because um, you get certain tax benefits and also you're able to apply for grants from uh, a variety of foundations that only give to charities. And of course, it is a certain, it gives it gives a certain uh, respectability, added respectability to your charity. I mean, you can be a charity, but we're now, we are a registered charity. We were a charity from the start. But to be a registered charity, you have to fulfill certain requirements, quite rightly so. It took the Charity Commission a year a very careful examination of our application and they kept calling us back and they kept asking us more questions and asking for more information. It was a very, very, very long process. And eventually in April 2021, they gave us charitable um, status. And our opponents, our detractors went out. I mean, they were already always trying to crush us, always trying to remove our funding, always getting us removed from funding sites, getting us making sure that we could not take part in any debates, making sure that we could not be admitted to any organizations that, that could help us. They, they, they have blocked us in, in every possible way from the beginning. But when we got charitable status, they were just, they went completely berserk. They set up a new petition. They'd already had petitions against us before. A new petition that, um, that removed uh, LGB Alliance's charitable status. And one person in particular, I'm not going to mention him because I don't want to, uh, to, to give, <laughs> give him the benefit of mentioning his name, but a particularly uh, uh, um, angry tax lawyer who runs an organization. He was looking, I think, for 
uh, an organization that would have standing, that is to say, a legal right to challenge our charity status in, in court. And he eventually decided that the best chance he had would be to use mermaids. Now, mermaids, mermaids is a funny organization where it was set up a couple of um, a few decades ago, and in the beginning, it I think did some useful work helping gender confused children. You can look back at the kind of information that it put out in in say the year two thousand, and it was saying that most gender confused children. It's a silly term, gender confused. I mean, you know, it's sexist, whatever. Anyway, boys that boys that didn't feel happy being boys, or girls that didn't feel happy being girls, they call them gender confused, whatever. Anyway that they would eventually grow up to be gay or lesbian. It is something that is very, very well known, uh, um, that, that, that girls who are quite boyish when they're young, girl, boys who are quite uh, um, girlish, I mean, as I say, I don't like these terms, but we're talking about stereotypes here, tend to be gay and lesbian when they grow up. And mermaids used to say that. But then when um, they, they, they took the peculiar step of appointing Susie Green, as their CEO in, I think it was 2015, again, 2015, this is this year, sort of disaster year. Um, and ever since then, they they switched to um, really promoting um, medicalization and, and trying to get, um, um, there, there was pressure. And if you've read this very important book, um, Time to Think by Hannah Barnes, which details the, um, what happened at the um, the Tavistock JIDS clinic, JIDS standing for the Gender Identity Development Service for, for young people, trans, um, trans uh, uh, gender um, treatment for, for young people, basically. What happened there, you can see that the, they were under a great deal of pressure from mermaids, and that was particularly from Susie Green. Um, who, as co of course, took her own son to America at the age of 12 to have puberty blockers because they were not allowed in the UK at that age, and then took him to Thailand at the age of 15 so that he could have a sex change operation at the age of 16. Um, now, that person, putting that person in charge of mermaids, really sent it into dark territory, I think, in which it became an organisation that really advocated for the medicalization of gender distressed, if we want to say, children and, and young people. And so, so we are out there, LGB Alliance, saying, stay away, do not medicalize kids. You know, uh, we say um, gay kids are not sick. Gay teens are not sick. We don't talk about gay kids because we don't think it's right. Kids might mean young children. We don't think you should sexualize, talk about the sexuality of young children. But teenagers, with their emerging sexuality, gay teens are not sick. So don't give them drugs. Um, let them develop. Give them uh, um, good counseling, good therapy. Give them love. Give them respect. But don't give them drugs, which uh, um, can have uh, irrevocable effects Um on their on their health and what, the the number of lies that are told about this medicalization is just really horrendous. Puberty blockers are safe? No, they're not. Puberty blockers reversible? No, they're not. Puberty blockers are just give you give you a pause? No, they don't. They put you on a path because ninety eight percent of kids who take puberty blockers go on to cross sex hormones. How can any child of sometimes ten twelve years old 
decide that they want to spend their life uh, um, uh, taking taking medication and well, much um, less being sterile, much and less being sterile. I know being put I mean, on just... a path to very likely having no orgasm, no sexual function. I mean, there's right. so many questions in all of this that I remember yeah. meeting Stephanie Davis Arai when she had just started Transgender Trend. We met yeah. up in Brighton, we shared notes basically. And I had already tried to infiltrate Mermaid's meetings, mm. go there as a fake parent who had a fake child who identified as da da da, da. Right. That was something I really wanted to do because even though you mentioned 2015 as being this kind of cutoff date where Mermaid's was going over, I guess, jumping the shark as they would say, I found it was already ongoing when I interviewed them back in 2013. Well, it must have been, or they they wouldn't have taken her on otherwise, I suppose. Yeah. But I think, uh, you know, otherwise, why would you take on such a, a a very clear activist with a particular agenda? Who's now, of course, joined. She she's now because she she has um, let's say she has left, and we'll leave it open as to how she left. But she's now joined up with Helen Weberly, the disgraced. <laughs> Um, GP who who prescribes online hormones and they are trying to do some some private enterprise and I hope that that will not not go ahead because you you just I mean some of this is so dark that when you explain it to people they think you must be exaggerating they they think it cannot possibly be true because it is so utterly horrendous yeah when I was first told about this I was in a bar in Soho it was gay pride 2012 and the woman who told me I just thought she's nuts she's exaggerating yeah exactly and, and she was telling me about that councilman uh who is trans identified and they call him Sarah because he said something on Twitter like I pickled my own balls or something him, yeah there's um the, the guy that served 30 years for for for, for um it was um, torture and abduction and then for uh, attempted murder of a fellow detainee and then cut off his testicles. And apparently um, the story about him eating them, somebody says that's not true, but I personally don't really care whether he ate them or not. Um, oh, no, this is it, another one. There's another testicle trans fetish. Oh, out there. oh I'm so sorry. He was a council member at Cambridge. Um, oh, yeah. But that was just wild. He goes by Sarah something. I forgot his name. I was really floored by the depth of this woman's description. I just thought, surely this can't be the case. Surely. I, I, but, you know, I investigated and it was all, it all checked out and I was horrified. And then when I would speak to people, especially within the lesbian community, it's because we were the ones being targeted far more than the men, as you notice, you didn't have women running into men's spas, ogling men's bits. The opposite was happening. So when I would talk to lesbians, and I remember this happened once with an attorney who's part of our movement, and she and I were ushered out of my friend's house. I brought her to my friend's house. We were at dinner together, and then they were like, you want to come over for drinks? But we were basically thrown out for raising the topic. I kid you not. And yeah. so I've seen all kinds of things from people like lesbians married who you would think would understand. Now, the funny thing about this, I guess, as you guys say in the UK, not funny, haha, but funny, ironic, is <laughs> the way in which this has played out because the complaint made about your standing as a charity was done. Uh, well, you can tell our audience what happened, but there is a bit of schadenfreude involved, correct? Yeah, well, yes. I mean, the point is that um, Mermaids um, tried, uh, um, brought um, a case against LGB Alliance alleging that we did not 
um, we were not a real charity, that we didn't fulfill the, the objectives of, of serving the, the, the public benefit um, and that, that we shouldn't be a charity. Now, um, what became extraordinarily apparent in court, I mean, the, the downside was that this tied us up. It tied us up for months because um, they had some ridiculous witness statements and I was determined, we were determined once we joined this case, that we were going to rebut every single false piece of information in those statements. And so this took ages. I mean, my witness statement was over 100 pages long. I think I had 2000 pages of exhibits. I was not going to, I thought, if we are going to go through this, if we're going to go through this horrendous case, at least we are going to get the truth out there and we are going to rebut all these lies. And so we did that. So that took months and months. And in terribly draining, and we had to crowdfund, of course, all this money because, <laughs> contrary to the <laughs> opinions of our, our detractors, we do not have <laughs> we do not have funds from the secret uh, uh, Christian fundamentalists. Uh, uh, we don't. We have to. We we we, we don't have any those funny funds. That's what the Christians um, are doing. They're funding lesbians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, we we don't have any. Not only do we not have any connection with with organizations like the Heritage Foundation, but we don't even talk to the organization like Wolf who do. I mean, we are very far away from those kind of people. But anyway, so we had it cost us an enormous amount in terms of money and in terms of time and energy and emotional energy. I mean, honestly, there were times at which we just, um, thank God, Case Harris and I have each other. We've got the most incredible friendship and we've been just gone through this together right from the beginning. But it did have the advantage of getting all our, uh, the real truth out there. And in court, that was really quite astonishing because it was very odd. When you saw their witnesses, they seemed entirely unprepared as if they'd been grabbed off the street and sort of stuck there, but they didn't seem to have any notion at all of what they were there for. And so we heard some most extraordinary things. We heard from Belinda Bell, the chair of trustees, of mermaids, not only we don't do any medical stuff, apparently she was unaware of what um, Susie Green was actually doing, but they don't, I didn't, they don't know if they didn't talk to each other or whatever, but anyway, but she said, I, I you know, I, I'm not sure that, uh, that children come out of the womb with a sex. So that was an interesting moment. And then um, another interesting moment was John Nicholson, uh, uh, an MP who, who has taken against us in the most extraordinary way and has defamed us also in the Houses of Parliament where he has parliamentary immunity, really said the most terrible things about us. Um, and he said, I know what a lesbian is. A lesbian is anyone who says she's a lesbian. Okay. And uh, then uh, Paul Roberts, um, the chief um, executive officer of um, LGBT consortium, which is a consortium of over 500 LGBT organizations um, trying to explain because they, they refused us membership and it's be clear, it's quite clear why they refused us membership because um, they operate the principle and he said this actually in court if you say that a, a person with a female body cannot be a gay man then that's transphobic I'm going to repeat that because it's so weird I'm sure, not sure anybody can. if you say that a person with a female body you know, um, tits, vagina, um, that vulva, that sort of thing. If you say that a person with a female body cannot be a gay man, you are transphobic. 
So we would judge, we don't, we, we say that's a load of nonsense. And so we're transphobic and we were not allowed membership of his organization. And we, the three of us, Kate, Harris, and I, and Eileen, our wonderful um, chair of trustees, prepared um, very well for this because it was it was an ex existential thing for us. We, we really need to remain a charity. It's important for us. Um, and so we, I think, um, it, it, I think we did quite well. I think we presented our case very um, reasonably and clearly. And um, that, and also at, at some point there were 200 people tuning in to that it was live streamed uh, um and um they could see uh and so it, it did do a lot for us and it uh things unraveled a little bit for mermaids now i can't tell you whether what cause and effect is here but it is true that not long after that case concluded mermaids were placed under a statutory investigation and it is true that shortly after that case that um susie green um left the organization now as i say i don't know what cause and effect is and i don't know what happens behind the scenes but that is what happens and it is mermaids that is really um i would say under a cloud at the moment you're listening to savage minds and we hope you're enjoying the show please consider subscribing we don't accept any money from corporate or commercial sponsors and we depend upon listeners and readers just like you now back to our show did it come out during the hearing that Susie Green not only brought her son to the U.S. for puberty suppression and cross-sex hormones, but also that she brought him to Thailand to have surgical intervention? Where had Susie Green been given any name like Leila Abu something and hmm. brought her daughter to Somalia for a clitorectomy? She would have been met at Heathrow by the police. Yeah, I mean, um, this it's very interesting, actually, that you can look back. Um, Susie Green gave a, a TED talk um, several years ago in which she explained the, the, the marvellous thing that she did for her son daughter. Um, and it's extremely obvious from that TED talk that there was homophobia in that family, especially her husband. Um, and she was willing to go along with his homophobia. The, this poor little boy who wanted to play with Barbies and 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 uh, um, or wanted dresses and all this, um, that her husband didn't want any of that. There was homophobia in the family. All the all the girly toys were were hidden, and uh, um, the the little boy was saying that he he was a girl. And so it, it's very clear. But now she's uh, since she was uh, um, uh, since she left. Uh, mermaids um, that TED talk has been taken down but fortunately lots of people have downloaded it and so it's still available um, in, in various media and then you can see about the others as well you see with um, with Kai uh, but also very high profile um, case in America um, the homophobia there um, and these are quite often uh, in the in particular in America very religious backgrounds very religious um, surroundings so um, the mother of Kai Shapley um, saying um, that when Kai was two years old, and again, a, you know, a bit like Jack was was playing with with the girly toys or whatever, um, she 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 said um, that that Kai might be gay. That could not happen. That would not happen. And she says this 
you know, you can find this, because, again, I think it's probably been taken down, but people have kept it. And so one, the internet is forever. And so you can find um, Kai's mother saying that would not happen. And it didn't happen because she found online that, oh, maybe Kai was born in the wrong body. Kai was really um, a girl. And Kai became the the um, poster uh, child for the trans youth movement um, in the United States. And so quite often you see homophobia in, in the home. People cannot stand to have um, a gay um, son and therefore they manage to project this message and this message gets taken on board and it's amplified on the internet and by peers. Um, and the child thinks that they are the opposite sex. And I mean, the, the, but the greatest trick that is being played upon upon the world is the idea that this is progressive and that this is kind and this is good. It is outrageous and it is homophobic rubbish. And we, and so it is understandable, I suppose, that mermaids does not like LGB alliance because mer mermaids um, thinks that medicalization is a good thing uh, and that, that, that these children who want puberty blockers should be able to access them. And LGB alliance thinks that puberty is an essential part of growing up. It is an essential part physically of growing up and emotionally and mentally, and it performs an invaluable role in just the whole process of, of human development. And we have a very, very good little video about that that uh, my wonderful colleague Malcolm Clark made, um, showing how just how important puberty is and how just uh, uh, it's uh, terrible, terrible to, to, to block it. And um, so I, I, you can understand why Mermaids does not like the fact that we project that, that message. And, but we will carry on um, projecting it because we have to protect um, gays and lesbians. I mean, and the, it, is no, it is really not cool. I'm using a word that I, I think young people don't say cool anymore. But anyway. To I be, see it all the time. I love it. Yeah, but you're, 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 you're probably not 25. Or twenty. I, I identify as nineteen. Yeah, I identify as four, I identify as fifty-five. Actually, I think I'm trying to identify as forty-five. But anyway, but <laughs> it is not cool to be a lesbian. But you know, so you see again and again and again, we hear these stories: these geeky girls who are only attracted to other girls, and they're lesbians. And then a few months later, year later, oh no, they're not lesbians anymore. They're trans, and they're having their breasts removed. And I mean, this is just a shocking assault. On, on lesbians above all, but gay gay teens as well. I don't I don't want to say that it is only uh, about lesbians. I just want to say that we have had at the beginning our main support came from lesbians, all from all over the world. What that I told you about the abuse that we got from Christine Burns and others from the beginning, but at the same time. We had but Christine all... Burns is a lesbian, right? I oh, mean, no. yeah, excuse <laughs> me. We don't go there, please. But anyway, so but at the same time, we had messages from lesbians all over the world immediately. So many, some of them never got answered. I mean, that's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages saying, "Oh, thank God you're there. What can I do? Please let me join. I want to help." And just uh, thank you, thank you. I've been so isolated, and it was the, at the beginning mostly lesbians. But then, except for, for the wonderful Malcolm Clark and, and uh, Richard Columbell, another wonderful gay man who's been with us from the beginning, it was mostly um, lesbians. But then as months went by, um, we gradually, there were more gay men who came on board. We've got the, the wonderful Dennis Cavanaugh, who now runs something called the Gay Men's Network. 
and he's just been absolutely fantastic. And so we do have a lot of gay male support now. We really are, in fact, um, at our, we did um, a survey of our subscribers and the number, the percentage of lesbians is something like 34%, gay men 33%, bisexuals I think was 15%, straight 20%. Is that right? I'd have to I'd have to check, um, but I think that that's right. Um, and um, so it's quite evenly matched now, and um, we are really pleased with that because I think it is important for and it's it's not easy. It isn't easy for lesbians and gay men to work together because there are sometimes differences of opinion, uh, slightly different lifestyles, and that's why we we really limit the number of issues that we campaign on. And we try to keep this on board um, and we want to uh, um, keep it together, keep it together. Lesbians, gay men and bisexuals, it's really important for us to campaign together. I think gay men, even though they've been less targeted about this issue until recently, they are seeing the writing on the wall. Absolutely. The other issue here, we are caught in a mess. I said this in a recent podcast that we haven't just been put back a hundred years. It's far worse. There's a whole ideological and linguistic element here yeah. that we are having to combat the meaning of simple words, because yeah. as you and many of many of we all know this, if you can't identify what a woman is, yeah. then guess what? You can't talk about women's health. Let's talk back about then what you were saying about the irony, though, of the investigation lodged against you came from the very charity that is now under investigation. And you were saying that you don't know if it's a coincidence or not. Obviously, there's I no evidence. Of you know, and I, I, I obviously I just think what we have to do is to tell the truth. We, we have to stand for free speech, for for honest debate about these issues and to get rid of the old culture of no debate, which has really been shocking, and you know, allow people to engage with different views and have robust debate um, about sex and gender so that people can actually finally hear what the issues are. Um, that is really important, and we're very happy with the, as I say, growing support among gay men. What's really unfortunate is the, that the, the, the really um, major gay male celebrities will not come out and support us. And in fact, some of them have really um, made defamatory jokes about us, told horrible lies about us. And um, that is, I, I think, pretty unforgivable. The, the, and how how is it possible that when we are trying to protect the lives of young lesbians and, and, and gay teens, that um, that, that gay celebrities will not come out and support us. Who do we have? We have we have J.K. Rowling. Um, what we we have Martina Navratilova. Um, we have Ricky Gervais. Uh, we have uh, Dave Dave Chappelle. I mean, these are um, amazing voices. But um, you know, uh, uh, apart from Martina, you know, it, it, it's really shocking. That that most that that we don't have any gay male celebrities who are willing to come out and and support us. They do. They write me in private. 
And they tell me, we love what you're doing, but can't speak out. I'm worried about my career. I get these. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's what they say. Can't speak out because of my career. And, yeah. you know, their career is more important than the truth. And they just allow us to fight the battle that they know that they should be fighting. And uh, one of the members of our team, wonderful Dave, said the other day that we are the, the wasp jam that allows everyone else to have a, a picnic. That's great. Yes, so we are, it's a fantastic image. LGB Alliance, you know, it, it attracts all the hostility and nastiness. And it's all, and gradually society will move in our direction, but we are the ones that um, everybody feels that they, um, you know, entitled to dump on as they gradually, gradually, gradually move in our direction. Or maybe a little bit faster now, I'm hoping, because um, as we get a little bit more media coverage and people hear that we have perfectly reasonable, legitimate um, uh, points to make, then they will, you know, that they will stop um, or that they will have to think. And some of us, some of them will join us eventually. Did you see um, that Megan Rapino um, issued some stupid statement yesterday? Do you have any explanation for these lesbians? Um, you know, Ruth Hunt, uh, uh, Nancy uh, uh, Kelly, um, uh, Megan Rapino, the uh, uh, um, Billie Jean King, for fuck's sake, I beg your pardon. I mean, how what is going on with them? Everyone has a choice. You cannot say to me, you don't have a choice. Listen, I just want to tell you what Megan Rapino has been saying because I just found it now. Yeah, so, oh, this is just wonderful. As Rapino prepares for her final women's, uh, this is uh, by the way from the post millennial, um, and the article is from, I don't know, it doesn't say who it's from, but uh, yeah, something, C.G. Jones, anyway, yeah. So as, as Rapino prepares for her final Women's World Cup, she has voiced her belief that biological males who identify as female should be allowed to compete against biological women. Quote, we as a country are trying to legislate away people's full humanity the 38-year-old, you, you see males are not really, males are apparently not human, uh, you know, I thought they were, but, you know, I guess I got the wrong, the 38-year-old said during an interview with Time magazine, and then, quote, it's particularly frustrating when women's sports is, sick, is weaponized, she continued. Oh, now we care about fairness. Now we care about women's sports. That's total bullshit. Show me all the trans people who are nefariously taking advantage of being trans in sports. So I guess we just forget about what's his name, the swimmer uh, and, and the, the, the boxer who likes beating people's brains. Anyway, um, that, show me all the trans people who are nefariously taking advantage of being trans in sports. It's just not happening. And Rapino was also asked if she would support a trans woman playing on the United States women's national team, even if it meant that a biological woman would miss out on an opportunity to play for the team. And she said she would support the move, but that she would not characterize that situation as someone, quote, taking a real woman's place. She says that's the part of the argument that's still extremely transphobic, she added. I see trans women as real women. What you're all saying automatically in the argument, you're sort of telling yourself already, you don't believe these people are women, therefore they're taking. I mean, I just don't know how she gets there. I don't know how anyone gets there. What happens? How do people's brains get so fried that they can say, I just don't get it. Do you get it? Well, this is the thing. Again, um, I agree with you theoretically that people should not cave, but I have to tell you, Bev, 
people are suffering economically. And when I say people she's are not suffering, suffering. I don't... she's a fucking millionaire. She's just retired. No, no, no. I'm not talking about her, though. I'm talking about the average person out there who will be fired if they don't put their pronouns up. And I agree with you that rapid, well, this woman has been spouting this crap for years, ever since she dyed her hair blue, I believe. What I'm, t- I'm asking you is, do you understand how any woman can actually believe that a male person can... Well, you're saying that she says it. I see trans women as real women. You're saying she says that because why? Because she's 38, she's retired, she's got lots of money. Why is she saying that if she doesn't believe it? Or does she believe it? I'm interested in this lesbian woman who says, I see trans women as real women. And she doesn't need to protect her career. Her career is over. She's retired. She's got lots of money. There's no reason for her to say that. By the way, uh, um, after this, it says, tennis legend Martina Navratilova was l- later responded to Rapino's comments with just, just one word. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> well, Martina gives great responses to this. But I remember Martina... Didn't Martina and Billie Jean King form a, a sports association? What happened to that? They, they, well, what happened is, I think, um, Martina was originally really trying to build bridges. I mean, she is a bridge builder. She's not an extremist. She's a very moderate, decent, lovely, generous person. And she wanted, she was hoping, I think, to, to be able to form some sort of uh, compromise. Uh, I, but I, it's clearly become impossible. So I, I don't know if that initiative, you know, collapsed. Certainly we haven't heard anything about it recently. So I think it must have collapsed because Martina has been much more forthright recently um, than she was before. So I think she's really... Um... Well, it's like Sharon Davies as well. I mean, I think what happens is... Sharon's been great. She's come on the That's show. Wonderful. But I think yeah. a lot of women, and she spoke about this on the show that she was risking losing her BBC contract, which is not that small yeah, thing because like true. dancers, sportsmen and sportswomen have a limited shelf life after which their yeah. use in, in, you know, in commas are to be sportscasters. And that's a yeah. very coveted position because there's no, you're right. hundreds you're right. of people going after that. And what I really admire about her and Martina is that they are speaking out. Now, Martina is a lot more loaded, I'm sure, but the fact is that the erasure from social media blackouts can be severe. And, you know, you and Kate formed your organization. Within minutes, you were blasphemed. Yeah, but it's quite interesting. It's interesting, though, that um, when we originally formed for the first few weeks, for the first few months, actually, People were bombarding us with trans women are women, trans women are women. They would they would repeat it seven times. I think that's the maximum you could get with the with the Twitter limit that it was, um, and in all caps. And it was kind of like this religious mania, you know. The, these people repeat this stuff in all caps as if, I mean, it is it's so. I don't know. Are you familiar with Andrew Doyle's book, The New Puritans, in which yes, he does? I, have, uh, I haven't the, actually read it. I'm dying to. Uh, you really should, because I mean, I, I think Andrew's wonderful and he really makes this excellent argument for this gender identity um, belief system, essentially being a religion um, and uh, that you have to su- subscribe to. And certainly we've seen, uh, you know, that, that we are considered heretics. 
We just don't believe it. And not only do we not believe it, but we say so very clearly that we don't believe it. You know, you, it's OK not to believe as long as you keep quiet about it. I think, you know, as long as you don't ask, don't tell, that's OK. But, you know, you come out and you say, no, sorry, uh, um, it is just isn't true. You can't change sex. No one's born in the wrong body. Um, you know, lesbians don't have penises. All these very blunt messages that we do say because we like clarity. We like truth. We don't like uh, language being manipulated and used against teenagers who are often very confused about their sexual orientation and are now, you know, that there's that's why we want this helpline. And this helpline has been one of our uh, you know, biggest plans from the beginning, a helpline for, uh, for teenagers who are struggling with their lesbian, gay or bisexual sexual orientation. At the moment, no such thing exists. There are plenty of helplines, but they are LGBT helplines and those assume that that whatever you're struggling with is something to do with gender identity gender identity is the cuckoo that has taken over the nest um and there is no room to talk about being attracted to people of the other uh, of the same sex because the whole concept of sex you know stonewall and all the other organizations the tq plus organizations they're trying to get rid of the whole concept of sex as if what matters is this gender thing that you've got in your mind and not your body. And in fact, um, I, I'm sure you know Lisa Marciano, the therapist. Yes, I know her very well. And she's been on the show as well. Yeah, yeah. I spoke to her a couple of years ago and I remember it really struck me. She was saying that she has quite a lot of, of clients in the age group, say 15 to 25. And they find, you know, referring to their genitals really quite yucky and disgusting it's it's as if you're not supposed to talk about that you're supposed to pretend that doesn't matter so these people they live so much online that they seem to have detached they've got gone through some sort of depersonalization they've detached their minds from their bodies and um that's why they say we're you know we're fo we focus on genitals because in my experience sexuality and genitals have you know are rather closely connected and pretending that they're not is just completely balmy and these poor kids um who don't want to talk about their sexual orientation because they don't want to talk about their their you know their bodies their sexed bodies it's it's just they're, they're being their confusion is being amplified um by the whole um online um um, circus that, that that's going on, on on YouTube in particular and on TikTok. Well, it's interesting because some of our greatest advocates are now these comedians. You mentioned J Dave Chappelle and Ricky Gervais. Yeah, I was watching Ricky Gervais just yesterday on this. Oh, yeah, it's quite so funny. Both men are brilliant. I mean, they're, they're just so wonderful. Good. They're so good. I love both of them. They're just wonderful. Yeah. As lesbians, who would have thought that straight men would be our best allies in this? It's not, you know, I mean, misogyny, what we are certainly discovering that there is more misogyny in the world than we had hoped. I mean, that's true. But the quality of misogyny from gay men is different from the quality of misogyny you find with straight men, isn't it? Because straight men have a kind of ambivalent, um, you know, ambivalent attitude to women because they, they, they do rely on them emotionally um, and sexually. Um, and yet there will sometimes be misogyny among straight men. And among, among gay men, those gay men who are misogynistic, it's a purer kind of misogyny because they maybe not have any women in their lives at all. Uh, certainly not in positions of you know extreme intimacy. Uh, and I just think that's an interesting point. And I don't want to suggest at all that um, most 
men, most gay men or anything, you know, luckily we do have a lot of, of really wonderful gay men who do support us and I love them. I've met, met some of the best men in my life. And also I have met some wonderful trans people. I want to emphasize that some wonderful trans people um, in, in, in the last few years, people who totally get it, totally understand why we're necessary, totally understand the difference between sex and some sort of, uh, um, you know, indeterminate feeling of gender identity, totally understand why we have to fight this battle and totally appreciate that teenagers should not be, uh, um, you know, manipulated into thinking that they need some, some stuff done to their bodies. So I've met wonderful people over the last, I've met the best people in my life over the last few years, gay people, straight people, trans people. Can you sum up how LGB Alliance has torn up the script? What we have done, it, but until LGB Alliance came, came along, um, people did not dare to say that they didn't agree with gender identity dogma, that everyone's got a gender identity um, and, um, and that that's more important than sex. They didn't dare to say it because all the LGBTQIA organizations were signed up to it. And so if they said it, they were accused of being homophobic. So when we came along, we tore up that script and said, no, hello, we are here, we're lesbians, we're gays, we're bisexuals, and we do not sign up to gender identity dogma. And so that enabled people to say, oh, right, well, actually, I don't agree with it either, without being called homophobic, because we have given them, uh, you know, <laughs> cover, I suppose you could say, um, we have made it uh, uh, possible for people, made it clear that it is possible to be gay and supportive of gay rights and lesbian rights and bisexual rights without signing up to gender identity theory. And in fact, gender identity dogma or theory or belief system, whatever you want to call it, is based on, an, on, on a, a misogynistic, homophobic uh, um, foundation. And we are trying to, to make that clear. And we will, are recapturing the gay rights movement in the spirit that it had at the beginning. 